What a beautiful morning to be celebrating together. Thank you so much to the musicians who've been leading us. It's been a really wonderful morning. Well, we're reading through Luke together. Luke, he wrote one of the uh, four Gospels. And uh, we're reading today from chapter 22. From chapter 22. And we're reading verses 14 to 23. And if you've got one of these church Bibles, look, you've got Dave here poised to come bring you a Bible. So it's, it's 1057. So just give Dave a wave. Got a few Bibles left here. There we go. Do take a Bible and then you can follow what's being read. So Luke 22, 14 to 23. They're the verses we're reading this morning. Let's read them together now. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Well, we're going to end our reading just there this morning. You know, sometimes something that you walk past every day becomes so familiar that you just stop noticing it anymore. And this passage can become a bit like that. If you're part of Oakwood Church and you're regularly here, you'll often hear this passage read. If you're a part of another church and you're visiting friends today, well, you may also be hearing this passage read regularly. And that familiarity can actually can actually be dangerous because we can stop really reading it, really seeing what is being said. It's great that Josh has been praying for us this morning. Let's continue to pray that we would see this passage with new eyes this morning, that the familiarity wouldn't, wouldn't make it fuzz out of focus, but that we'd see for really what this is, a most incredible passage of scripture. I try to, uh, I try to um, help myself to remember passages like this one. And uh, I do it really by 
kind of summarizing it for myself and uh, and repeating it to myself. Sometimes I lie in bed and I try and repeat the passage to myself. And I've been uh, to myself thinking, well, this is like a way to remember it is three, two, one. Okay, and I'll explain why. So number three in this passage, there it talks about three feasts. Three feasts. You'll see what we mean in just a moment. But it talks about two, two covenants, two covenants. And these resonate through this passage too. And it speaks about one son of man, one son of man. So three feasts, two covenants, one son of man. That's where we're going in the next few minutes together. So let's begin, or let's continue, as we look at and think about three feasts. So in this passage, it's Jesus refers to three feasts. I don't know whether you noticed it. The first one is about the Passover that happened in the past. Um, Phil pointed this out to us last week that Jesus has repeatedly speaks of the Passover. And in verse 15, you can see that there, if you look down, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, you might be here thinking, what's, what's the Passover about? Well, it's an amazing thing that happened way back, about a thousand, um, more than a thousand years before Jesus is having this conversation. And there were people in great danger. They were in captivity and uh, they were, um, there was really awful kind of um, prejudice against them. This ethnic group were all being used as slaves for this superpower. And God said that judgment was going to come on every house. Judgment was going to come on every house. And that there would be destruction in every house. But there was only one way that the people could be saved from this destruction that was coming. And it was a really strange thing that they had to do. They had to take a lamb... And if they took a lamb and they slaughtered this lamb and they took the the blood of this lamb and put it on the up and down bits of the doorposts, the way into their house. And if they took the blood of the lamb and they put it on the crossways bits of the door entry on the way into the house, then when the judgment came, it wouldn't bring death into their house. Instead, the judgment would pass over their house and that's why they called this the passover because because instead of one of their family being killed a lamb was killed and the blood was put on the up and down bits of the doorpost and the crossways bits of the doorpost and now the judgment passed over and Jesus is sitting there with his disciples and every year since way back then, apart from some times when they were rebelling against God, but the people of Israel have time and time again celebrated this point in their history when destruction should have come, but instead it passed over because a lamb was slaughtered in their place. And now Jesus, after all this chain of remembering year after year, he's sitting with his disciples and he says to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So feast number one in our three feasts in this short conversation is 
Jesus refers back to that ancient Passover when the destruction should have come and a lamb was killed instead. But he also talks of a future feast, a feast that is way off, that is still to come. And we can see that in the next part of the passage. If we look down into verse 16, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. You know, the scriptures, the Bible resonates with this amazing banquet that is to come. And it's Jesus told stories about banquets. Some who were allowed in, some were kept out. We heard an amazing ancient piece of poetry this morning from Isaiah 25. That's the passage that Josh read to us before we sang. Speaking of a feast for all nations. And it's a time when every tear is wiped away, when all the wrongness is removed. There's a time when people are brought into God's embrace, into his presence forever. You know how it is, how we've been praying this morning for all these broken things around the world. And we've been thinking about that brokenness out there. And then we've been aware perhaps of the brokenness right in here too. And the Bible resonates with this promise that the brokenness is going to be unbroken. That the tears are going to be wiped away. That the hunger is going to be filled. And that, that there's going to be a humanity who are with God in his presence forever. If you're thinking about that, you might be thinking, well, I don't get into that, whatever that is. But the message is that there is a banquet that people who shouldn't be allowed into, well, for them the door is is opened and they are allowed in. For people who should be separated and split off from the presence of this holy God, instead they're brought close and connected and drawn in to the embrace of the Father. Imagine that, an opened door, a welcome to a banquet where everything is made right and good. Jesus is referring to that future feast as he speaks of this fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Until the kingdom of God comes, that is what Jesus is speaking about. Three feasts, Passover, banquet, but he's speaking to the third feast is this meal that he's having now as we read Luke's account of this meal with his disciples. It's this supper that he eats with them right in the present that Luke is writing there. Let's read a little bit more. Let's look down at verse 19. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. 
Jesus is speaking of the present meal, that supper he's eating right now, that third feast in our three feasts. But this feast, it's uncomfortable, the language that Jesus is using, because he is saying, my body is given for you. The people around him, most of them, they love Jesus. They can't bear to think of Jesus not being present. And he is speaking now to them over this feast, over this supper, about his body being given for them. What could he be talking about? He's talking about his blood being poured out for them. His blood poured out for them. Now, if you've been coming here for more than a week or two, you'll know what Jesus is talking about. He is talking about his death. You see, as we read on through Luke, in just a few hours' time, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be taken off to trial. He's going to be accused of things that aren't true. And then he's going to be given the death sentence, and people are going to curse and spit and laugh, and they're going to watch him die. And Jesus is saying right here in this supper, in this third of the feast that he's talking about, he's linking them up to the other three feasts and he's saying, look, my body is given for you. My blood is poured out for you. He is saying that he's going to die for those people in the room. He's going to die for them like some terrible exchange as he gives his life so that they could have life. He gives his freedom so they could receive freedom. He loses his connection with the Godhead so that we could gain it as Jesus takes our place and dies instead of us. And this feast, well, it links it up with the other three. You see, God had been lovingly explaining throughout history what he was planning right at the heart of history. He'd been lovingly explaining and pointing it out through the drama of this yearly sacrifice of the Passover lamb. Because Jesus, they're eating lamb and they're sharing bread and they're sharing wine, but we don't hear anything about the meat, do we? That they're eating the lamb, the the lamb slain. The reason is it's Jesus Jesus is going to be the lamb slain there. He's the one dying for them. Let's look again at that ancient piece of poetry that Josh read to us as we began this morning. This verse is is so beautiful. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. This is Isaiah 25, 6 to 8. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. What amazing passage. And as Isaiah wrote that, I wonder if he could have 
even dreamed of, guessed at the enormity of what God was going to do, that he was going to come in the person of Jesus to himself take away that shroud that covers every nation, that he himself would pay the cost for our brokenness. He would pay for the wrong things you've done, the wrong things I've done, so that we could receive forgiveness. His blood would be poured out, his body broken, so that ours wouldn't have to be. You see, the whole of the Old Testament is pointing towards this feast, this supper, that Jesus was going to be dying in our place. My body given for you, my blood poured out for you. So three feasts. You know, as I was reading and And thinking over these verses over the last couple of weeks, I was thinking, well, what's the question out of this? You know, what's the so what out of this? Well, it's this really. Are you going to be at that feast? You might think, well, I don't, I can't be at that feast. I don't deserve to be at that feast. What that one at the end of time when all the, all the, all those people are in the presence of a holy God forever. How could I ever be there? Well, how can you be there? It's because Jesus died instead of you. He's died so that you could be there. That's why he came. That's why his body was broken. That's why his blood was poured out. And he invites you. He invites you to that feast, that place of joy. Something we just couldn't dream of. A banquet for all nations. You're invited. Are you going to be there? Because he loves you. And he's given his life for you so that you could be. And he helps us understand it. Because of that Passover That lamb that was slain year after year. Jesus, though, he's the one, the ultimate one, who gave his life. That's what he's talking about at this supper, so that we could be at that banquet. We're invited. He's calling us to respond. Then this passage speaks of two covenants. This passage speaks of three feasts, yes, and it speaks of two covenants. We've just read, and we'll look again at the passage we've just read, verses 19 and 20, and we'll, we'll zoom in on verse 20. Because there in verse 20, it says this mysterious thing. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You see, if there's a new covenant, that implies there's an old covenant too. So that's how we get two covenants. There's an old covenant and a new covenant. I was riding on a train. I was been 15 hours on the train Friday and Saturday. Was over to Aberystwyth and back. And gave me lots of time to think about these passages. And I was thinking, well, we don't use the word covenant very much. So I was thinking about the word deal. But the thing is, deal is not a very nice word at the moment, is it, in our cultures? And uh, so it's like, it's like a, a majestic promise. How about that for covenant? A majestic promise. And there are two majestic promises referred to in this passage. There's the old one and the new one. You know, the old majestic promise, the old covenant, well, there's a moment... In Exodus 24, 7 and 8, which speaks of Moses 
And he's gone through the law. It's amazing that God has come close to his people. He's revealed to them how they can live in holiness. And he, this is the passage. It's Exodus 24, 7 and 8. Then he, that's Moses, took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said we will obey. Moses then took the blood this was blood of sacrificial animals, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. What a, what a moment. You know, there's been these great um, animals that have been slaughtered and the blood's been put on the altar and, and now the blood is put on the people and they're thinking, this is so serious. Death is involved here. And, and so they respond, we will do, we will do it. You can see that there on the screen. And then he says, they say, we will obey. They're tying themselves. They're saying, look, let our blood be spilt if we don't do, if we don't obey. And this was the old covenant. And if you read through Romans, you would see how the old covenant was about obeying the law and doing what God has said. But as the story of God's people, as the story of humanity unfolded, we find there seems to be no one through history who can do it. No one who can obey so completely that they deserve to be at the part of that banquet at the end of time. Even the best of them, they weren't good enough. They didn't measure up. Two covenants, old and new. And that's what Jesus is talking about as he talks about his blood. He says, this is the blood of the new covenant. And this was hinted at in the Old Testament too. Here's another passage, another piece of ancient, powerful, prophetic poetry. And it says in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it. On their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That's written hundreds of years before Jesus came. And Jeremiah by God's Spirit speaking through him, is saying, look, there's a plan. There's a new covenant. And this covenant is going to bring transformation to people's lives. Transformation to people's motivation, to their hearts. And it's going to bring forgiveness. There's an old covenant and there's a new covenant. And the new covenant is because of Jesus' blood. You see, Jesus, he brings forgiveness by his death and resurrection but he brings transformation, a change of heart. And we've been praying already, we've been singing already along these lines. That there would be, that God would fill us with his spirit, empower us by his presence. Come and fill us that we would live different. 
That we would live by his power, not by our own anymore. And this new covenant in Jesus' blood makes that possible. And we could read through the New Testament and see how by the Holy Spirit's work, forgiveness comes. How by the Holy Spirit's work, transformation comes. How by the Holy Spirit's work, new power and new life comes to live for the glory of God. Our hearts are changed by the work of the Spirit filling us, transforming us. He wants to do that in our lives by this new covenant it's not about us doing and sorting our lives out to be good enough it's about by Jesus coming and filling us with his spirit that this transformation comes are you filled with God's spirit is he transforming you is he empowering you bringing forgiveness and life in fullness bringing that transforming power he wants to do that you know If you wanted some extra reading, if you're taking notes, just note this passage. It's 2 Corinthians 3, verses 6 to 11. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 6 to 7. It, 6 to 11. It speaks of the old that kills, brought death, brought condemnation, was transitory passing. That's the first covenant. But this is the new covenant and this passage speaks about this new covenant giving life as the spirit works, bringing righteousness. And lasting, you know, do you know that the work of the spirit in your life, bringing righteousness, a glory that lasts, that's what God wants to do in your life. So this passage As Jesus speaks, he speaks about an old covenant. Glorious because it reveals God. It reveals his holiness. It reveals his goodness. And glorious because it hints at another covenant that's coming. But now there's a new covenant. And this new covenant is in Jesus' blood. And this new covenant brings transformation by the Spirit of God. A power that is out of this world because it is God's power by his spirit filling you and living and leading you to live a victorious life. I wonder about you, I wonder about me. Am I trying to live by my own power, get to that banquet by my own goodness? I'll never make it. You'll never make it. This is about the old covenant and the new covenant. And we're invited, look, stop trying to get there. Stop trying to climb the ladder. Stop trying to reach yourself in there. You're not going to make it. Jesus has come. His body has been broken. His blood poured out so that you could be at that banquet because of this new covenant. Let's read the last part. This is verse 21 to verse 23. Luke 22, verses 21 to 23. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. 
And we're going to read on as we continue through this passage. But for this morning, we're stopping there at verse 23. You see that in verse 22? He speaks of the Son of Man. There's so much we could speak about from these verses. But the one thing we're going to home in on as we close this morning is the Son of Man. We said there are three feasts, there are two covenants, and there is one One son of man. Jesus used this phrase to describe himself and he used it quite often. And one of the major places where this phrase is used in the Old Testament is in Daniel chapter 7. And in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel explains a vision that he has. Daniel 7 verse 13 to 14. You might want to read around this more. If you're taking notes, take that reference. But here, let me read it to you. There before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Wow. Jesus is speaking about himself and he's saying that he is the son of man. And as these people who sat at this meal thought back, they would remember this passage Some of them would have known it, many of them would have known it by heart, this mysterious character, the Son of Man, who has authority, who has glory, who has sovereign power, God's power. Who could be this one who is man with God's power? Who could it be? This one who has a dominion, a kingdom that lasts forever, a kingdom that could never be destroyed. Who could this be? Jesus is saying that it's him. He is the Son of Man. He is the one who is God. He is the one who is man. He is the one who is God. He is the one who is human. He is the one who is going to give his life. So what do you do with one like that? With the one Son of Man? Well, I think the only response is to worship him. To worship him. To worship the one who is God and man. The one who comes from heaven, revealing himself to us. Three feasts. Let's rewind. We've talked about three feasts. You know, and as we're talking about three feasts, we're saying to each other, look, are you coming to the banquet? Are you coming to that banquet at the end of time? It's not a banquet you can come to by your own power, by your own goodness. You can only come through trusting in the Jesus who has died in your place. Three feasts. Two covenants. What do we ask each other about that? Well, are you being transformed? Am I being transformed by the Spirit? Is he filling us and empowering us and changing us? bringing us that victorious life in all its fullness that he wants us to know. That comes if we're trusting in the new covenant. 
two covenants and one son of man. Well, our question for each other, do you worship him? Do you worship him? We're going to close by praying this morning. And we'll close with a moment of quiet. And then I'll lead us in prayer. And with that, we'll finish our morning. Let's be quiet for a moment before we pray through these questions together. Lord Jesus, thank you for this eyewitness account of that last supper. And as we've read it this morning, and your Holy Spirit has spoken to us, we've seen these three feasts. Thank you for that Passover where the lamb was slain year after year. Lord Jesus, thank you that at that supper you were preparing to be the ultimate Passover lamb who would give his life, who would give his body, who would pour out his blood so that the judgment could pass over, so that we could be at that last wonderful, glorious, joyful banquet. You call us this morning to be in your presence forever. Please bring us to trust in you. To trust in your blood poured out for us. Your body given for us. Perhaps this morning some of us want to say we're sorry for the wrong things we've done. Please Jesus, forgive us. Thank you that you gave yourself so that we could be at that last banquet. That final glorious banquet. I trust you that you died for me. Please be my king. Lord Jesus, we've been thinking about these two covenants. The old, those who do these things, will live by them. And the new, the work of the spirit, the transforming spirit in our lives. Lord Jesus, we want to be those who are being transformed by your Holy Spirit working in us. Let us rely on his power and press into this week with that joy and victory that's ours as we trust in the Holy Spirit, in his power to be transforming us. Lord Jesus, your spirit filling us. And as we close this morning, we hear resonating this call. That we are called to worship you, Lord Jesus, the Son of Man, the one who is God in his glory, man, as you, Lord Jesus, died for us. We want to worship you. We want to give our lives for you. We want to serve you. We want to be living for your glory. And so this morning we ask that you would put your hand on anything in our lives that is where we're living not in worship to you, where we're living in rebellion against you. We pray that we would submit those areas to your authority and sovereignty. We worship you, Lord Jesus, the Son of Man, and we entrust ourselves into your hands this morning, praying in your name for your glory.
Amen. Amen. Thank you that we could be here sharing these things this morning, thinking through these things together. Plenty of time now to talk, perhaps to pray with each other, to go and enjoy some more tea and coffee. Perhaps the music group will play to us as we do think about these things. But thank you. Do come and speak if you want to about any of these things or speak with those you're, you're sitting with this morning. Thank you.